Hello, and welcome to the third episode of the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast. My name is Jeffrey, and with me is John Gallardo. Today's episode will be a rather somber one, as we are here to talk about an absolute tragedy. On Sunday, January 26, 2020, Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash in Los Angeles at the age of 41. Along with Kobe was his daughter Gianna Bryant, as well as John Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli, Elisa Altabelli, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, Christina Mouser, and the pilot, Ara Zabayan. There were no survivors. The world is shocked by this tragic event. Kobe was a hero to many players and fans. We at the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast send our condolences to the families and loved ones. They will all be missed. Today, we wanted to talk about Kobe's legacy and what he meant to us and the world. John, what are your thoughts? Well, where do you start? It was honestly shocking for me just getting a notification on my phone on Sunday afternoon. I was just getting ready to put in some work for um, one of my classes, and I got a notification on my phone from the Raptors Cage team, the site that I write for, and one of the members said, Kobe's dead. And I couldn't believe it, honestly. I instantly went to, to, to Google. I went to Google and I searched up Kobe Bryant dead. And the first thing I saw was a TMZ piece, a TMZ article, just talking about how Kobe was dead. I'm like, there's no way this can be true. It's TMZ. You know, TMZ reports on all this kind of stuff before and gets this stuff wrong sometimes. And going through the next 20 minutes, you're sort of just frantically looking for some piece of credible information. And then Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted that Kobe Bryant did in fact die on a helicopter crash. So once that happened, I just sort of lost it almost. It was like Kobe was almost immortal by any regular standard because he was such such a hard worker and such a motivator. And someone like that, you just think of him and you think, wow, he's like immortal, you know? But I think this whole tragedy in general just puts into perspective how fragile life is. And I know a lot of people have said that, but... How many people are really going to take it into heart, you know? Are you going to look yourself in the mirror and think, damn, am I, am I working as hard as I should be? Do I have the work ethic to get to where I want to go? And I think all those sort of thoughts started running into my head as this news came out that Kobe died. And it sort of puts into perspective that life is short. There's nothing promised. And you got to do your best every day to make a mark and you gotta spend every moment that you can telling your loved ones that you love them and cherishing them on a note of immortal that's how I felt too um, when I found out that Kobe died I was at work I worked at Avis budget airport um, as a service agent and one of my co-workers was like 
yo, did you hear the news? Kobe died. And I'm like, what? No way. Like, what? It just seemed so random. And then I checked my phone and I was like, no way. I, I just saw him in a video of when LeBron passed Kobe and they hugged and embraced. I also watched a bit of the Matt Barnes podcast and he was just, like, they just invited Matt Barnes to his house with Steven Jackson. And he, he's gone. And I, I'm sure everyone was like this too. Like, we were all shocked by this. And for me, seeing his daughter die too, Gianna, that was heartbreaking. Terrible. Because of the fact that I mean, I go back to the interview where Kobe was talking about his daughter and if she was going to make the WNBA, and he's like, for sure, for sure. And I know she had Kobe's work ethic. And that, I mean, this year, the WNBA just recently announced that they were going to improve the wages of the players in that league which was a great step for that league. But when it comes to developing, you gotta have that face. You gotta have someone to, that people can look up to and idolize. And not that there hasn't been WNBA players in the past, but I truly believe that Gianna could have been the face to take the WNBA to that next level. Because she has, she had Kobe Bryant teaching her the skills and have that same work ethic as her father, I know she was going to do great things. And now she can't. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. She will, she'll never get the chance to make the sort of mark, the mark that Kobe's made. And like you said, she was a rising basketball star. I mean, she looked just like Kobe almost. It's like... If Kobe was like a 13-year-old girl, like that's what Kobe would look like. And you see that interview where like he was talking about how like people will come up to him and be like, yo, you and Vanessa should have a son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, and I what that. Gianna said. And he's just like, nah, Gianna's like, oh, I got it. I got it. That's me. And Gianna was without question going to carry on Kobe's basketball legacy. Like you see highlights of her like doing these Kobe fadeaways and it, it, your heart just goes out to the family yeah because she was destined to do great things I believe Vanessa lost husband and, and a daughter. daughter and the other three daughters lost a sister and, and a, a father. father it was definitely tough and it will continue to be tough because when you lose someone of this magnitude and you can't necessarily put yourself in the family shoes because you don't know Kobe or Gianna the same way that they do but you have to still feel empathy for the fact that they did lose part of their family a big part of their family and you also have to feel bad for Kobe's parents because mm-hmm. I know for a fact that they've had a sort of strained relationship in the last couple of years with um Kobe's parents trying to sell his high school memorabilia and then Kobe didn't like that so the relationship sort of fractured from there and I know a lot of people have said this in the media too but 
it's definitely a reminder that no matter how petty your feuds may be with family, you need to sort of understand that you might never get the chance to make up with them again. Tomorrow's not promised. Tomorrow's not promised. So got to do your best to make amends with the people you don't like or your, your family that you may be feuding with. And you just sort of have to, I'd say, live life with a Mamba mentality because that's what Kobe did. Kobe took every challenge that life threw at him and he conquered all of them. And it's just so heartbreaking for Kobe because it was arguable that he was having a better second half of his life. Yeah, next chapter. The next chapter was looking to be so promising and so great. You know, like, sure, Michael Jordan got his six rings, but did Michael Jordan win an Oscar? No. No. That's crazy, you know, that Kobe even got the Oscar. Like, that's the most prized possession in cinematography. Yeah. And he got it as a rookie. And he had so much still left to do. And you just feel bad that his life was taken amidst of that. And one of his goals was to inspire the next generation. And in a way, he's already done that. And he's taken on mentorships with a lot of the current NBA stars like Giannis Antetokounmpo, Trey Young, Luka Doncic. He's worked out with Kawhi before and obviously a big idol for DeMar DeRozan, Isaiah Thomas. I mean, the list goes on. Kobe's imprints are all over the NBA. And you saw with the reactions of the players, how emotional everyone was. It was definitely really emotional to see the players have to play through their their games on Sunday. I mean, I don't know if you were watching the Raptors game, but immediately after the ball tipped off, they took a 24-second shot clock violation, the Raptors, and the Spurs followed suit. I believe Trey Young took an eight-second half-court violation in honor of Kobe. Then they took some 24-second shot clocks. Trey Young also wore the number eight for a couple minutes in the game. And you could just tell if since Michael Jordan, it's arguable that Kobe Bryant has been the most influential basketball player. Yeah. Especially for this era. And on the day that we're recording this, the January 28th, um, so far two players have officially changed their numbers. Uh, Spencer Dimwitty changed from changed from eight to twenty six, and Terrence Ross went from eight to thirty one. And I believe more players will follow that route. The Dallas Mavericks have also retired the number twenty four. Uh, Mark Cuban said that uh, they discussed it in this, as an organization, and they're no longer going to be wearing the number twenty four ever again. So it's just. It's just so special to watch all these people memorializing Kobe because he was that special. And for a guy like LeBron James, um, who was able to recently pass Kobe Bryant in the scoring and was able to have Kobe there for them to embrace, and it was announced later that Kobe had called LeBron the night that LeBron passed to congratulate him. Passed him on the scoring list. And he was genuinely happy for him. They were friends. This was was beyond basketball. 
I think a lot of people get it misunderstood that Kobe Bryant literally like people think that Kobe didn't like the people he was competing against. It was quite the opposite. He had so much respect for all of his contemporaries. I mean, if you look at his relationship with Tracy McGrady, yeah, and it's it's it was really heartbreaking to watch an interview they did around this time last year. Kobe and Tracy McGrady, they were just talking about their relationship, you know, coming up together. Guards out of high school drafted into the league and all the old guard thinking that, oh, what are these young guns doing in the league? They can't make it. And they start to make noise. And then T-Max gets traded to Orlando. And then suddenly Kobe's winning championships. So then T-Max's like, oh, I guess I got to get the scoring title. But people didn't know that T-Max spent a lot of time with Kobe you know, at his house, just just there, spending time with him. And T-Mac often went to Kobe for advice when he would get frustrated with his playing time because, as you know, both of them sort of rode the bench early in their career. So if you just sort of see his relationship with his opponents, I think out of all the players in the league that have competed, I think everyone had the highest respect and the highest, they held him in highest regards. That was Kobe Bryant to a lot of the NBA players. I mean, Kobe was a very competitive guy. So it that's why maybe people thought that he didn't like these people. But on the court, you're not supposed to be friends with them. If you're a true champion, exactly. you want to win the game, go out there. And especially with a sport like basketball where individualism is rewarded like people in the day be like oh I want to play I want to see Kobe face LeBron or Kobe versus T-Mac or Kobe versus Vince Carter you know you want to see those stars like fight each other so on the court they're not supposed to be friendly Kobe definitely discouraged that like he wanted to have that competitive edge but that didn't mean that he had the utmost respect for all the players that he faced mm-hmm. and when you even talk about his relationship with his teammates, I mean, we were talking about Kyrie Irving last podcast saying how he shouldn't be ousting his teammates. But I read something that Kobe did, you know, he didn't have the best relationship with his teammates either. But the way Kobe justified it was you're not going to get to where you want to go, which is like winning championships if you don't create tension, you don't create conflict, if you don't challenge your teammates to be better. So in that context, it makes sense because Kobe's like has his pedigree of championships. But the great players understood that. I saw an interaction with Nick Young and Lou Williams on Twitter about them telling a story about how like after a tough loss, I believe, anyone who was wearing Kobe's shoes, he'd make them take them off, take them off. Like mm-hmm. you're too soft to wear his shoes, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's just Kobe, man. He's a legend. I mean, you can't make that shit up. And I just wanted to ask you, Jeff, I mean, what was your first memory of Kobe watching him play or even just in general? Well, when I was just starting to watch basketball, for real, the Raptors were not really that good of a team they were just barely playoff teams but they would always lose in the first round so i would watch the nba playoffs um and 
that Lakers team of Kobe Bryant, Paul Gasol, Ron Artest, Derek Fisher, uh, Andrew Bynum, Lamar Odom, I can go on. Like, that was an amazing team. That was a squad. That was a great team. And, I mean, I remember at the time how much people wanted a Cavaliers Lakers finals because of the Man. fact that it'd be LeBron versus Kobe, and we were robbed of that. And instead, it was Orlando, which, to be fair, was a good team, but not as interesting. I wanted to see LeBron versus Kobe. Um, but either way, like, yeah, that Lakers team was amazing. And I just remembered watching those games um, against the Celtics and I guess, yeah, Orlando Magic. And they were a good team. And that was my, like, real memory of watching Kobe for real. I think my first memories of Kobe, I mean, I wasn't watching basketball seriously by no means, but I do have this vivid memory. I was two years old. My dad had the Raptors and Lakers game on, and it was on this like little TV, like this big-ass TV that you would have in the 2000s, like JVC, the brand, that was the brand. And I just remember the Lakers and Raptors were playing, and I just have the memory of seeing the scoreboard, and that's it. And I think of that now as sort of my first first sort of instance of exposure to basketball because that was sort of the first game that I saw and then as I moved on getting a little bit older I was in first grade I was sitting there in my class um, my teacher was named Miss Blas B-L-A-S and all the kids would just do this weird thing they would um, if they ever had a piece of trash to throw out they'd crumple it up in a ball and then they'd raise their hands up a bit, both both hands, and then they'd yell, Kobe! <laughs> you know? That's before I even knew who he was or what basketball was. That was my first instance of hearing the name Kobe. And then I'd want to say my first real memory of him is watching that 2007-2008 finals. It was Celtics versus Lakers, and I was a big Paul Pierce fan back in the day. So when I saw Kobe on the other side, you know, you can't help but feel some sort of opposition or hate towards the person, although hate is a strong word, and I think it should be used less. It was a fan hate. That's genuinely how you feel when you see someone on the opposing side that you don't like. And those were some battles, you know, and I was definitely happy that the Celtics won that series. But then the next year, the Celtics didn't make it. Then Kobe got his championship. And then in 2010, he got his revenge, beating the Celtics. And that was a very dramatic series, too, because Rajon Rondo hit a three in the corner when he wasn't really good at shooting threes to sort of tie the game. And then the Lakers sealed it with Kobe's pass to Ron Artest. Then on Ron Artest, or... Was it Meta World Peace? I don't even remember anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got so many names, Panda's friend. I mean, it's hard to keep track, but he made the pass to Ron Artest. Ron Artest drained the shot, and then that was it. That was Kobe's fifth championship, and Kobe's had such an illustrious career with five championships, two finals MVPs, MVP in um, 
I believe 07, 08 or 08, 09. But Olympic gold. Olympic gold multiple times. Mm-hmm. So. And the thing with Kobe, um, you know, the joke that people would talk about was about how like Kobe never passed. Mm-hmm. Yep. You <laughs> see those memes of like the controllers where um, like those 2K controllers and then all the buttons on it would be the shoot button. All for, for Kobe? Kobe? Yeah. <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, Kobe was a really smart NBA player, and he was a capable playmaker. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know about you, but I watched some of the detailed episodes mm-hmm. where he would dissect the minds of different NBA players during different situations, and it really showcased his knowledge. And, then, you know, when, we're, when he was a player, some people would point to that and be like, oh, he had bad chemistry because he was always yelling at players. But it was him guiding as another coach and that just really showed how much of a smart, intelligent player he was. What I'll say about Kobe is that he was so dedicated to the game that he would read the referee's manual, the referee's manual and the rules, so he could learn how to exploit them. Like, that's, that's what Kobe would do to win, you know? And I believe that was in his uh, Mamba Mentality book. And just in general... Kobe would do anything that was sort of, you know, allowed. He would do anything to get a one-up on his competition. Like, you hear those stories of how Kobe learned French just to trash talk Tony Parker, right? And Kobe's, like, like, trilingual probably at least, right? Like, English, Spanish, and Italian. Italian. He knows a bit of Slovenian too. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, he would learn all these languages. I think he even learned German to talk trash to Dirk. Yeah. (laughs) So... He would do that to get in his opponent's mind. And then, like I was saying, off the, off the court, he would like be, be reading the referee's manuals just to get sort of an insight on how referees call fouls or make calls. And then by that, he could exploit the rules. And just besides that, that Mamba mentality work ethic, like I think that's at the core of who Kobe Bryant is. He's willing to put in those hours at like 3, 4 a.m. in the morning at the gym, working nonstop till someone comes in and they're like, oh, you've been here this whole time? But that was just another day for Kobe. And it wouldn't stop there. He would be there till late night, just putting up shots. And when people reach a certain level of success, sometimes people's work ethic just goes down, you know? They reach the peak of their career and some people believe that they don't have to work hard anymore to get their success. But that wasn't Kobe. This was Kobe for his entire career, his entire 20-year career with the Lakers. This is what he did. Another thing I wanted to say about Kobe was when I watch and analyze basketball, um, I'm not the biggest fan of high-volume shooters just because I'm a bit of an analytics fan in the sense that I like efficiency. Um, And we see some players like the Hardens and the Westbrooks and some other players in the league, DeRozan sometimes who would take those amounts of shots, and I wouldn't be a big fan of those players. Um, Kobe was like the one exception for me because Kobe was capable of making the most difficult shots, fadeaways over several players. Some of the craziest shots, he would make them where you're just like, wow. You know, it just defies analytics, defies, that's just skill that, what he has and 
it's, it was remarkable. And that's why he was just box office when he was playing. Everyone wanted to see Kobe because he, we're like, what kind of difficult shot is he going to make next? How many points is he going to score? I mean, he scored 81 in a game. <laughs> yeah. He's a scoring machine, one of the best scorers of all time. And I think, too, just the bravado that Kobe had, you know, if he had to, and there is pictures of this, but he would guard Yao Ming in the post. Yao Ming, seven foot six, yeah. 200, like, I don't know, 80 pounds or something like that. Yeah. He would guard Yao Ming in the post if he had to, to get a win. I mean, granted, I'm not sure. Maybe Kobe will make a play. Maybe he, will, he won't. But that's the type of guy Kobe was on the court. And he would do anything to get the win. Like, he's had so many clutch shots over the career, his career. I mean, you were talking about the 81-point game that came against Toronto. He needed all those 81 points to win the game. And I believe they won that game in overtime. Mm-hmm. And it's just remarkable, you know, sort of how Kobe was able to push his body to this absolute limit in order to pursue greatness. That's something that's rarely seen, even in sports, because when you look at some of these NBA players, they're just naturally talented. Like some of these players don't even have to work hard to get into the league. But with Kobe, he had the work ethic and the talent. I believe that's that's what Jerry West saw in him when Jerry, when Kobe was a 17-year-old coming out of high school in this workout in LA. Jerry West saw the player that had all the talent, but he also had this legendary work ethic. And that's what ultimately pushed Kobe to become one of the greats of all time. And he was traded from Charlotte, Charlotte for Divac. Yeah. So kudos to Jerry West for um, orchestrating that trade. And I definitely also want to send my condolences to him and sort of all of the people around the NBA that knew Kobe, because especially for Jerry West, because Kobe spent a lot of time with Jerry West's family in his early years when he was in L.A., still sort of finding his footing around the league. He would have meals with Jerry West. Jerry West's son would drive around Kobe because Kobe didn't have a car. He couldn't drive yet. And it just goes to show that Kobe had so many relationships with people that most most um, casuals, I guess, or even us, longtime fans of the sport, don't even know about till now. I mean, you look at guys like Jimmy Kimmel, right? He he sort of, he he had a little um, tribute for Kobe, and I'm I'm getting a little emotional just thinking about it. But he first met Kobe Bryant at a party when Kobe was still coming off the bench, and he so I was, think you met Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, yes. Yeah. Jimmy came out a different story. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy Fallon, you, you get the Jimmys sort of mixed up sometimes. Yeah. But Jimmy Running Fallon. Running joke and tacos. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, you saw that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm kind of flustered now. But Jimmy Fallon and Kobe, they met at a party. And Kobe was still a Laker, but he was coming off the bench. And Jimmy Fallon, he wasn't really like who he is now, but just trying to make himself in the comedy, make something out of himself in the comedy scene. And they were at this party. They sort of didn't know any anyone else there, so they just started talking to each other. And then one of the guys at the party was like, hey, someone needs to make a beer run. And Kobe's like, I'll do it. And then 
he sort of takes Jimmy along with him. They try to get into um, this place that normally just delivers stuff. Los Angeles, yeah. Yep. I don't know the place because I'm not familiar with the uh, Los Angeles area or anything. But, but they weren't either. They were new. They weren't either. Yeah, they were new. They were just driving down the road looking for a place, and that's what they saw. So then they knock on the glass and they're like, hey, we need some beer. We want those beers. And then the guy's like, we can't do that. And then Kobe just, like, gets his <laughs> Laker ID, just puts it up at the glass, and he says, I'm a Laker. And then they get the beers and, you Five, know, yeah. <laughs> the party's saved. Everything's yeah. great. And that's just such a I guess heartbreaking story to hear now because while Kobe was still alive it was rare to hear instances like this you know stories like this and I believe they did an interview a couple years ago but just hearing all his relationships now and maybe you can illuminate on some of them but all the relationships he had with the people in LA it's just goes to show that even though Kobe on the court, he was this black mama killer off the court, he was a really charismatic, fun guy to be around and just a straight up nice guy. And seeing and hearing the stories have made it a little bit better. Um, made it easier to cope. I saw even a joke on Twitter, which was kind of funny because as you know, David Stern also passed away recently and people were talking about how now Kobe gets to slap the shit out of Dave Stern for vetoing the CP3 trade. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's crazy. Yeah. I'm sure wherever they are right now, Kobe's talking to him about it. I'm like, why'd you do that, man? <laughs> we could have won a chip if you didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's crazy. And just in general, Kobe's such a big inspiration to everybody. Everybody. Like, when you even look at other sports, everybody holds him in the highest regard, like Tom Brady, the GOAT. I mean, arguably, the GOAT of football. Talk about tennis, Rafa Nadal, Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, all of them. They have, they have Kobe in such high regard. And it's probably the first instance in recent memory where somebody so young and someone so influential to not just sports culture but pop culture and just in general as a person someone that great and that's i guess famous has died in the middle of his life i mean you probably talk about other instances like that maybe michael jackson or elvis i guess yeah i mean i wasn't alive for elvis but those are the that's the sort of Whitney Houston. Yeah. Whitney Houston. That's a sort of light Kobe's in now. The bar, yeah. Like, that's how much his death impacted the world. And the thing was, he was international. I think that other than, obviously, Yao Ming, he was probably the most popular NBA player there. It'd probably be Yao. And obviously... T-Mac and it, or Kobe. Kobe was number two, for sure, because he was... Everyone knew Kobe. Um, yeah. And I was talking to some of my friends after the passing to sort of make, I guess, make a sense of what happened. And I'm just going to shout out my friend Brad. He's a exchange student from China. We met in first year, and we sort of bonded over our common interests of basketball, streetwear, and 
hype beast culture. And he was just telling me, dang, I should have bought that Kobe Bryant jersey at Rideau Center. Like, you know, the one that has his eight number, mm-hmm. like probably 2000s era. He's like, damn, I should have bought that Kobe jersey because Kobe was like by far his favorite player. And I also saw some posts from people on Instagram. I've got a lot of friends from high school that were big Kobe fans. So I'm sure when they heard the news, they were hurting. And most notably, my uncle. My uncle is probably the biggest Kobe fan I knew. I know. He named his dog after Kobe. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how influential he was. Like, it's just so funny. Um, It's going to be a funny story, but when Kobe Bryant and the Lakers, when they signed Steve Nash and Dwight Howard, I vividly remember my uncle buying this Lakers hat, and it had a six on it. (laughs) Right? A six. You Mm -hmm. know what that implies, right? Like, it no. implies the the sixth championship of Kobe. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's that that started that year. He had that hat and it was just sitting in his basement. I'm like, I don't know if that's gonna happen because back then, like, I wasn't a Kobe fan or anything. And long and behold, it like imploded. Kobe's season was like riddled by injuries, and the Lakers didn't really get to go where they wanted to go. Oh. But it's just memories like that, you know, like. I, I can't speak for my uncle, but I'm sure Kobe Bryant meant the world to him because that's the player that he idolized. And the same feeling can be for all the people who live in Los Angeles, especially. Um, he meant so much to those people. Like, he was a superhero. And I'm sure that they, that he helped inspire people to do better in their lives and try to reach their goals because of Mamba mentality. And that's the thing too, you know, like when you look at Kobe Bryant as a basketball player, there couldn't be like a more perfect person and a more perfect career. But we're all like super complex people and sometimes we make mistakes and we want to acknowledge that. And I think with Kobe, a lot of people don't understand that when he does make mistakes, he does his he does his best and his hardest. Like he he uses that Mamba mentality to right those wrongs. And you look at Kobe's relationship with his daughters, you know, bringing up Gianna, playing basketball, and I revisited Ramona Shelburne's 2016 article, Mamba Out, the article that she wrote when Kobe was getting ready to retire on his farewell tour. And a little side story sort of drew drew my attention. So it was around the time when Kobe had his sexual assault case and his marriage was breaking down. And he sort of transformed from there, from the old Kobe into the mama mentality Kobe. So what he did was he learned how to play piano He learned how to play the Moonlight Sonata, and I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with it, but it's a very iconic classical music piece. He learned how to play the Moonlight Sonata from just listening to it. And for anyone that's taken piano lessons, you probably know how hard it is to play piano, and especially if your fingers are not 100%, and that was Kobe. His fingers weren't 100% because he played basketball. His fingers were always getting jammed. 
He even described in the article that he could barely bend his fingers. But he learned how to play the Moonlight Sonata just by hearing it. And then he played it for Vanessa just to profess his love for her. Like, if, if that isn't mama mentality, I don't know what is. Because he told himself, I'm not going to let this break my family apart. I love my family and then this is what I'm going to, I have to do. This is what I got to do to keep it together. And if it's anything I respect about Kobe the most, I think it's that. Because he just had this drive to sort of will things in his favor, you know? And that's not in like a manipulative sort of sense. It's sort of like he charted a path for himself in life and he knew exactly what he had to do to like go through that path. And that's something that's extremely admirable, but at the same time, it's also very hard because you can talk about having dreams. You can talk about, oh, I wanna be this, I wanna be that. But are you really willing to put in those hours, you know, in the gym, whether like if you wanna be a basketball player, are you willing to be Kobe Bryant in his work ethic, you know? Are you willing to be the first guy in, the last guy out? If you're trying to be a doctor, are you willing to go through those eight years of med school in order to become a doctor and probably also rack up a lot of student fees in that in that sense but Kobe was willing to put everything on the line to reach success and I think that's Kobe's legacy ultimately I mean what do you think I mean that was a big part of how he got to where he got. Um, I would say also fatherhood played a big part in his life as well. I think that I'm sure many fathers can say the same, that it literally changes your view in life. And I think having daughters especially, I mean, <laughs> like a lot of people, I was hoping that he could have a son because it'd be great to have Kobe Bryant Jr. in the league. And with his with Kobe being who he is, he would have whipped him into a superstar legend. Honestly, um, but he was doing that with his with his daughters, you know. Um, and it's really inspiring the type of relationship he'd have with his daughters, especially Gianna, um, because. He really set an example of how to be a good father, be supportive of their dreams, be able to push them, be able to inspire them to have a passion, a goal, a dream. Um, and I would say that is a big part of Kobe's legacy. I think if it's anything that should come out of this, I think Kobe Bryant should be made the new logo of the NBA. Mm -hmm. I believe Jerry West has already come out and said he doesn't want to be the logo anymore. And I think Kobe Bryant em embodies everything the NBA should be about. I mean, we had conversations last podcast about whether like players are sort of too distracted these days with fits and gaming and all this stuff. But 
at the end of the day, I think Kobe Bryant embodied exactly what the NBA should be about. Should be about hard work, playing hard, doing anything for victory. And I think there's no better perfect. If you're going to change the logo and it's not going to be Jerry West anymore, it's not going to be Michael Jordan, obviously, then why not Kobe? I mean, the generation that is playing basketball right now in the NBA, a majority, if not all, were influenced by Kobe. Um, he's touched everyone, everyone's lives, um, and was a hero for many players. Uh, was so influential for some people. Where Kobe was their mentor for some players. Um, and this might be a topic that we might discuss in another episode, but the idea that even Kyrie might consider retiring based on the idea that, like, especially after something like this, um, that Kyrie's focus in life is bigger than basketball. Um, and seeing his mentor go like that, I think that he's probably rethinking some things right now. I think this sort of idea that basketball players are bigger than basketball, before LeBron James popularized it, Kobe Bryant was that. He embodied that. He embodied that. Yeah. I mean, Kobe had this, like, really awkward rap track in the 2000s. I don't know if you heard yeah. it, but <laughs> it's very cringy. And, you know, back then people laughed because they're like, you know, you're just a basketball player. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. But... Kobe Bryant was, in a way, trailblazing a path for players these days. And now you've got all these players in these new creative avenues. LeBron James making movies. A bunch of these players like Danny Green, J.J. Redick, they've got their own podcasts. Serge Ibaka's got his cooking show. If players did that in the 2000s, they would just, like, the media and the whole basketball world would just laugh at you. And... Kobe Bryant, in a way, was one of the pioneers to let players be bigger than just basketball. And in general, that's his basketball career is a big part of his legacy. But for me, the thing I'll always remember from Kobe is in his retirement speech, in his um, Jersey retirement speech, he sort of alluded to the fact that it's not about, you know, the. The journey is not about getting to where you want to go. It's about those long nights where you're going to be grinding and you're going to hate it. You're going to think, why do I have to do this? You know, Or it's going to be about those struggles where you're thinking, why is this happening to me? Why couldn't this happen to someone else? Do I deserve this? All those pains, all those struggles, all that hard work, at the end of the day, you're going to look at those moments, you're going to be fond of them. And I'm not just saying this to sort of pump up Jeff for this, like, editing session he's about to go to, but it's just sort of a reminder for all of us that anything in life that's worth doing, it's not going to be easy. You have to put in that grind. You have to put in that work if you want to get to that point where, you know, I mean, not everybody wants to be great like Kobe, but I think in general Kobe just serves as a, good example for if you want to reach a goal whether it be like as big as you know becoming the next NBA MVP or as simple as I just want to get a job at this place 
you've got to set a tangible goal and then you got to think well how do I how am I going to get there and you got to outline those steps and you got to be willing to put in the work because Kobe Bryant would probably be the first one to tell you that if you have a dream and you're not taking the necessary steps to make it there then that's not your dream that's just you talking and Kobe would call you out on that honestly like I I I'm not going to act like I knew the guy personally but just from his sort of his charisma and who he was as a person I saw through the screen he would challenge you he would challenge you to reevaluate yourself and think am I really doing enough and I think that's a message that we should all take with ourselves going forward as we move on with our lives cuz like we were saying before life is fragile you know you could wake up next morning and you know someone might be gone and it's really really cheesy that my dad says like you know every day is a blessing as cliche as it can be it's true and kobe's death and gianna's death all the all the victims of this helicopter crash it just serves as a reminder for us we've got to value life we've got to push for our goals we've got to work hard and we've got just got to spread love if if anything you know couldn't have said it better um i don't know i felt like i was ranting on there for i don't know how long but no nah, it's the right message to have it's important to have purpose it's important to have love like what what are we on the earth what are we on this earth for if not for a purpose or for love right like you're just living a meaningless existence in my opinion i mean not going to judge people that you know don't aspire to be great but i know for myself starting this podcast a big reason for that is me and Jeff we've got a goal we've got a goal we want to get to and this is one of the steps we're going to take to reach that goal so i mean we would i'd also say we both have the immigrant mentality where we got to work hard we got to work hard not just for ourselves but for our families nothing's given everything is earned yeah and on that note i think it's a good place to sort of end the episode. I want to thank all the listeners again for listening and tuning into this podcast. If you enjoyed, make sure you give us some ratings. Um and yeah, I mean, it's still going to be hard to make sense of this loss because it was so recent, but I think if it's if it's anything you take away from this whole thing and I'm going to certainly make it a point in my life to implement this. You just got to live life with that mamba mentality, man. Mamba you gotta, mentality. You got a goal, you got to just go out there and take it, you know? You got to just be able to put in that work. Got to be willing to put in that work and you just got to believe that you can do it. And you know, I'm going to end this off on a very cheesy quote that's paraphrased and probably like misconstrued, but if you believe that you're, or <laughs> I'm fucking it up already. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, 
if you believe that you're if you believe you can do it then you're already halfway there on that note thanks for listening to the nba's most valuable podcast we'll be back we'll be back next week with the regular format and we're going to talk about everything around the nba so and talk about basketball like how kobe would like it mm-hmm. so till then uh gonna just again send our blessings and our condolences to everybody involved and we're gonna be signing off guys goodbye <laughs>